Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and to all of you who mother as well. Beautiful morning. This is an important day. Like, today is Mother's Day, so I would, uh, I'd like to honor my mother. I'm honoring my mother today. I am wearing uh, a suit uh, in honor of my mother. I'm kind of starting a tradition. This is the second year now that I've, thanks, Andy. You're a good man. Um, you gotta, you gotta clap, man. That's good, we can clap for Andy. Uh, yeah, so I'm wearing a suit today. Uh, it is a tradition, if you can count two years of tradition, because I did this last year as well. Uh, my mother likes it when I look nice. And I, I guess it means I have to wear a suit to look nice. Uh, so this is for you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Uh, there's also another kind of funny story. I guess, depending upon your perspective, it's a funny story. It's going to be funny for you. It's not going to be funny for me. Uh, but it was a few years ago, I was up here kind of doing my thing. It got done with the first service, and I, I walked down between services, and I walked over to my mother, and I, I gave her a kiss. I gave her a kiss on the cheek. And as I got up, there was a woman standing kind of right there. Uh, I don't actually recall who it was, and it's probably a good thing. Uh, she's standing right there, and she says to me, she says, Oh, Tom, I haven't met your wife yet. Like I said, that story is a matter of perspective. <laughs> I look down at my mother and she has the biggest smile on your face that you could ever imagine. Me, on the other hand, that is for your information and record, that is a 25 year difference. She looks young, but not that young and I do not look that old. So, <laughs> wow, I don't know how I recover from that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, for bringing us to this place. Lord, we have worshiped you, we have sung praises to you, we have prayed. And now we're going to open your word. And I pray that you would speak to us from this word. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you have to say and that your word would transform our hearts and our minds to make each one of us here this morning more like Jesus. And we ask that your spirit would fill this place and that you would do all the work. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. amen. This morning is Mother's Day. And our text for this morning speaks to God's motherly love for his children. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to start off because this is an important, this is an important day and it's an important topic and it is an interesting way in which God expresses his love for you and his love for me he does it through a motherly love and he tells us this in his word. So before we open up the Bible to see exactly what he has to say to us, I'd like to invite Shelly and Sarah and Bruce to come on up to the platform and join me because they are going to share a bit, a bit of a tribute, if you will, to mothers and to those who mother. Good morning. As we mother, we quickly learn that those we love will at one point or another walk through seasons of difficulty because of decisions they have made. In those moments, we have the opportunity to reflect the character of God as he describes himself in Exodus 34. It reads, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, 
in forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. When you show compassion to a child who just got hurt because they disobeyed you, when you are slow to anger with a child who is constantly pushing your buttons, when you offer forgiveness to the one you love for breaking your trust and lying to you, when you welcome back a prodigal with abounding love and open arms, you are responding in the same way God responds to all of his children. However, I recognize that we live in a society where shame and guilt are prevalent. As a mom, it is easy to question many decisions I make when it comes to loving and parenting my children. I am certain that in whatever context you mother, you have faced some of these same questions. Today, everyone has an opinion on what good mothering looks like. Amidst cultural and societal pressures, we must confidently proceed in God's calling and how we should mother. Moms, spiritual mothers, and women, today you need to know that God sees you. He longs to be compassionate to you. Let go of the guilt and shame and run into the loving, gracious arms of our Father who promises to be faithful to you. When I was young, many, many years ago, my parents would take us to see wild bears at the most reliable place to find them in northern Wisconsin, the county dump. While the bears were fun to watch, my parents told me to stay far away from mother bears with their young. A mother bear will do anything to protect their young cubs, including attacking anyone who would come close. On the way home, that became a lesson for us. My mom said she would do anything to protect me without smothering me. Through the years, I saw how she did seek to protect me from hurt. I saw how she would make sure I had proper medicine to protect me from disease. I saw how she would comfort me when people would be cruel. Above all, I saw how my mom sought to protect me through prayer and by encouraging me to hide God's word in my heart, the ultimate protection. I've watched my wife live out those same priorities. I have seen her tears when injury would come upon one of our children. I've watched her sacrifice her own well-being for the comfort and protection of our family. Alongside her, I've experienced the pain and heartache when a child was hurt physically or emotionally or made some poor decisions. Now I watch my wife as a grandmother and I'm the pastor of many grandmothers they continue to mirror God as a protector. This results in a dynamic prayer life as they realize they no longer can prevent all the pain of this world that may come upon those they love. They can pray to God. Our Jehovah Roi, our protector, who wants the best for his children and will care for those in pain. While this desire to protect is at the heart of a mother's role, I'm convinced it is also part of how women reflect God's image as teachers, aunts, caregivers, mentors, spiritual mothers, sisters, of being part of the family of God. There's a beautiful verse in 1 Thessalonians 2 that says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. What that means is whether you are a mother here sharing your life with your kids day in and day out, or someone who mothers by showing up for students and walking through the ups and downs, 
or by being a friend who can be counted on to celebrate or to grieve whatever life brings, you are doing wholly important work. When you care about the Legos, when you stay up too late on the retreat, and when you make time to grab a cup of coffee, you are doing wholly important work. When you wipe their dirty face, when you go to their track meet, and when you ask about their work event, you're doing wholly important work. When you love people so much that you are delighted to share not only the gospel, but your life with them, you're loving people like Jesus, who, just like a mother who cares for her child, sees and cares about everything, from the magical to the mundane, because he is overwhelmed with love for every single one of us. Loving people is wholly important work. It is not always easy, but it is never, ever wasted. So keep sharing, keep showing up, and keep doing the hard work of being faithful, because when you do, you point people to Jesus. I hope that all of you who are mothers and all of you who mother feel honored this morning. I hope you feel recognized. And I hope we all recognize that mothers are a gift from God. Amen. And they're a gift from God that God uses to help us understand his love for us. So if you would, would you take a Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49 is found on page 597 that's in the Bible in the rack in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible with you, grab the Bible out of the rack and turn to page 597. And that's where we're gonna be this morning. We're gonna be focusing on verses 13 through 18. We've jumped ahead a bit in our series and our study in Isaiah on this Mother's Day to understand, to see how God has chosen the image of mother to describe how he loves us. Now, as we look at this text this morning, we must first understand where we are in the story of the history of Israel. Because of Israel's sin and idolatry, because of their turning their back upon God, God has sent Babylon to conquer Israel. And Babylon has taken the people of Israel into captivity and placed them in slavery in Babylon. In Isaiah 49, God promises God promises to bring a servant savior to provide rescue. He promises to free Israel and to return them to their home. He is about to bring them all home. This is a good thing. This is a great thing that he is about to do. The people of Israel are soon going to be free. No more captivity, no more slavery, so here all of nature is called upon to worship. Look at verse 13, look what it says. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Creation, the heavens and the earth is commanded to join in this celebration. God's news, God's news was often announced from the mountains. And now the mountains themselves are brought into praise and worship. Mountains that earlier in chapter 49 were seen as potential obstacles are no longer obstacles. They're actually joining in the worship itself. They're the place of rejoicing. God has cleared the way of all the obstacles and he's demonstrated his compassion, his comfort, 
and his care for his people, for his children. Now you would think, you would think that the people would be overwhelmed with excitement. You would think that they would feel God's compassion, his comfort, and his care. You would think that they would join all of creation in worship. But they don't do that. Look at verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Zion is a reference to Jerusalem. It's a reference to the people of Israel. Instead of worship, the people of Israel feel that they had been abandoned and ignored by God. Their nation had been destroyed. Their capital, Jerusalem, lay in ruins. Their precious temple was demolished. They feel here no reason to rejoice. The people's response is not overwhelming excitement, joy, and praise. Their response, look at it, see it. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Have you ever felt like the Lord has forsaken you? Have you ever felt like the Lord has forgotten you? Now, maybe you don't actually speak it. Maybe you don't actually say it. But in your mind and in your heart, you think it. You feel it. Maybe your spouse has died and you've lost your soulmate. Maybe you wish you had a spouse and God has not provided one. In either case, you feel like you've been forsaken and forgotten by God. Maybe today is a miserable day for you because you've always wanted to be a mom and God has not given you a child. Maybe you have a health problem that has broken you. Maybe you tried and tried. You worked and worked to make the soccer team and you didn't make it. Maybe you studied and studied to get the A and you didn't get it. Maybe the addiction that you've struggled with for so long still there and God hasn't taken it away. Living day after day, week after week, month after month, and even year after year, thinking God has forsaken you and forgotten you can wear you down. Do you feel like throwing in the towel and giving up? 
Do you think that God has forsaken you? That God has forgotten you? Do you feel like you can't go on? Do you feel like you're at the end? Has Satan been whispering in your ear and telling you, if God really loved you, that would not have happened? I think that's exactly the way the people of Israel felt while they were in Babylon. Wondering if they would ever be free. Wondering if they would ever be able to return home. Wondering if when they got there, would they be able to rebuild what was? Thinking that God had forsaken them. That God had forgotten about them. I am sure they heard Satan whispering in their ear, if God truly loved you, this wouldn't be happening to you. You see, the people of Israel had lost hope. They lost hope, and you can hear it in their words. The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And one of the main reasons they lost hope, if not the main reason they lost hope, was that they no longer believed. They no longer believed in God's love for them. I think there were probably three different types of people, three different types really of thinking among the people of Israel for why they felt that way. Why did they feel like God no longer loved them? I think there were three different kind of types of thinking. The first group, the first group of people in Israel kind of probably had to believe that the way God was treating them was unfair. That they didn't deserve, they didn't belong to be in captivity and slavery in, in, in Babylon. Yeah, they were bad. Yeah, they did some bad stuff, but surely there were a lot of people that were worse than them. There were a lot of other people that did a lot worse things and they didn't deserve, it was unfair for them to be there. Some of them probably even thought, yeah, you know what? It was our parents. It was our parents that made all these mistakes. Yeah, you could punish them, but to punish us, the innocent children, for being... And they felt like, God, if you really loved us, we wouldn't be in this place. I think there was probably a second group of people that recognized that God was being fair. That they were just as full of sin as their parents' generation. That the things they had done, the worshiping the idols, the rejecting the one true God, that it was cause for God to bring Babylon along to conquer them. And they recognized that they were probably in the place that they deserved to be. I think there was also probably a third group of people. The third group of people were the people that said, so what? <laughs> Whether God's unfair or God's fair, it really doesn't matter because we're here in Babylon and the situation looks hopeless and I don't think that he can do anything about it anyway. Three different types of responses. And I think today, the exact three types of responses exist. So what I'd like you to do, if you're here this morning and you're, you're feeling like God has forsaken you, like God has forgotten you. 
I'd like to ask you, do you fall in one of these categories? Are you in the first group of people and you're here and you're kind of asking, you're kind of thinking to yourself, if, if God really loved me, would I be born into this abusive family? If God really loved me, would I, would I be so poor? Or maybe you find yourself in the second group. And you think to yourself, wow, I don't, want, I don't even have any idea how God could love me after all the bad things that I've done. Or you think, how could God love me? I just keep on sinning. I keep doing the same thing that I tell him I'm not going to do. God could never love me. I'm just worthless. Where do you find yourself in the third group of people? <laughs> and you just think it really doesn't even matter. My problems are so big. My situation is so dire. It is completely hopeless. And I don't think he can do anything about it anyway. God has a message for you this morning. God has a truth for you this morning, a truth that he shared to the people of Israel 2,700 years ago, and he shares the same truth today. The same message that he shared with them, he wants to share with you this morning. And before I share that message with you, I want you to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. How would you respond? If you were God, how would you respond? How would you respond to a people or a person who doubted you? Who rejected you? Who turned their back on you? Who worshiped idols right in front of you? How would you respond if the person did only, did only not just complain to you, but complained about you? How would you respond? You see, God, God could have responded with anger, with rage, and with wrath. And I have to let you know, and I think you understand this, he would have been completely justified. It would have been completely fair for him to respond with anger, with wrath, and with rage. But you know what? He doesn't. He doesn't respond with anger, with wrath, and with rage. And when I asked you the question how you would respond, if you were honest with yourself, you know how you'd respond. You know how you'd respond to somebody who doubted you, who rejected you, who turned their back against you, who worshiped other idols. You know how you would respond. But that is not how God responds. God does not respond with anger, with wrath, or with rage. Look how God responds. This is his message to you. If you feel like you have been forsaken, if God has forgotten about you, look at his response in verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. That's the hope. 
God gives his people Israel some very precious reasons for hope. He gives in this verse, these verses, he gives hope to you and he gives hope to me. He doesn't respond with anger, with rage, with wrath. He responds with love. Though you may feel neglected and ignored, you are not. God has not cast you off. He will never forget you. God, look at his own chosen words, likens his compassion and his care, his love for us to the role of a mother. He lets us know that he has not abandoned us and cannot forget us. In the Bible, in the Bible and among all of the prophets, the prophet Isaiah stands out for comparing God to an actual mother and the motherly love that God gives to us. Look at these other verses in the book of Isaiah, from the book of Isaiah, and see how Isaiah portrays God, how God portrays himself. This is God speaking. For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. Look at this next verse. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And our text, our verse this morning, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? God has given us a gift when he gave us mothers and now he uses that gift to describe himself and his love for us because at the very least, proverbially speaking, a mother's love is the greatest love of all. Most mothers continue to love their children no matter what they do. Now in just a minute, we're gonna look a bit deeper at this love that God has for you and for me. But before we do, I'd like to make a point here. I'd like us to understand a theological truth about what is happening in these verses. I need to make it clear so we all understand that God is neither male nor female. Did you hear me? God is neither male nor female. Jesus himself tells us that God is a spirit. And even though the Bible refers to God as God the Father, and the pronouns used to describe God are masculine, God is not a biological male. He is spirit. John Piper, a pastor and theologian, says it this way. Look what Piper says. From eternity, God has not had a physical body, and therefore he doesn't have male features, facial hair, musculature, male genitals, no Y chromosomes, no male hormones. Male is a biological word, and God is not a biological being. Yet, even without biology, God chooses to reveal himself in the Bible through language that is both masculine and feminine. And although the Bible never refers to God as God as the mother, God's character and his actions are revealed by feminine imagery at least 26 times in the Bible. So let's not think that God is male or that males are more godlike. We are not. <laughs> Both male and female 
are created in the image of God. And when the Bible speaks, when it says she and he were created in the image of God, it means that she was modeled after her creator. And our text this morning makes this point. God describes himself as a mother and describes his love for us as a motherly love. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? God here is pictured as a mother. What kind of love does a mother have for her children? In this world, there is really no love like a mother's love. A mother's love is completely sacrificial. A mother does everything she can for her child, for her children. She feeds, she cares for, she, she, she bandages, she forgives, she, she gives of herself over and over again, providing comfort and care and compassion. She forgives. Mothers sacrifice their time, their energy, their money, anything and everything. To a mother, her child is more precious than silver or gold. There is no amount of money. A mother doesn't even try to love her child. It just happens. It just is. In many ways, you can't even explain it. It's hard to wrap our minds around. You can't account for it, and you can't change it. That's the way that God loves you. But then God goes a step further. Look what he says. Though she may forget, I will never forget you. Now here there's a contrast between God's love for you and a mother's love. You see, a mother's love may waver. It may lessen. It's not likely, but it does happen. There may be a mother who has dementia or Alzheimer's disease. She may actually forget you, and it's not as if she's trying and she cannot help it, but she may waver. There are also mothers, there are some mothers that are not good mothers. They do not have compassion or care on their children, they waver. But God, that may be one of the best two words in all of the Bible, but God, but God does not waver. God does not change. His love for you exceeds that of a mother. His love doesn't change. It will never, ever waver. A mother's love is great, but God's love is greater. A mother may forget her child, but God will never, ever forget you. His love for you is constant, faithful, and unchanging. Now, I know if you're here this morning and you feel like God has forsaken you, if you feel like he has forgotten you, It can be difficult to to wrap your mind around that. So what does God do? He understands and he doubles down. His love for you is constant, it's faithful, and it's unchanging because look why. Look at verse 16. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Israel here feels like God has abandoned them and forgotten them and he is ignoring them. And you may feel like God has abandoned you and he has forgotten you, but it is not true. 
God says here, he will never forget you. He can't. He cannot forget you. You know why he cannot forget you? Because he has engraved you on the palm of his hand. You are graven on his hand, on the most tender part of his hand, on the place on his hand where he constantly looks. There you are. You cannot fall out of his hand. Jesus himself says, my sheep, those who follow me, I hold them in my hand and I will never let them go. And some people think, well, man, I could slip out. I could fall out of his hand. Maybe he'll let go. Maybe he'll forget. He doesn't forget. He will never let go because he can't. Because you are graven. You are permanently and deeply cut into God's hand. Amen. Amen. He loves you. He loves you like a mother loves her children. He loves you more than a mother loves her children. He will never forget you. He has not forsaken you. He can't. You are graven on his hand. And that's not just part of you. That's all of you. Every single bit of you is on his hand. It's just not an image of you. It's just not your face. It's not your, just your body. It's not just your hands or your feet. It's every single bit and part of you. All of who you are is graven on his hand, permanently and deeply cut. He will never let you go because he can't let you go. God then shares the result of his motherly love for his children. It's the proof of his love for them. Proof of his love is seen here in the description of his children returning to their home, his people returning to Jerusalem. Look at beginning in verse 17. Your children hasten back and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. This is the result of God's motherly love for his children. The people of Israel would soon be regathered, would return to their land, and would be like beautiful jewels worn by a bride but I believe there's more for us here as well. When you mothers demonstrate motherly love, that compassion, that caring, that comfort, that forgiving, that never forgetting, constant, faithful, motherly love, when you demonstrate this love to your children, what's the result? The result is, is that your children hasten back. They come back to you. When you demonstrated this motherly love that God demonstrates perfectly, when you reflect this and love your children in that way, your biological children or people that God has assigned you to mother, when you give that motherly love, that compassion, that comfort, that care, that forgiveness, when you give that, your children come to you. They gather back. They hasten to you. And your reward your reward is, is that you get to wear them as an ornament, as a demonstration, as a proof of the love that you have shown. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my mother loves me. How do I know? Because 
for 51 years now. She has demonstrated that love over and over and over again. A sacrificial love that provided for me, that cared for me, that fed me, that spent time with me, that forgave me. A sacrificial love that was above and beyond any amount of money, any amount of other things. I saw her sacrifice time. I saw her sacrifice her needs and her wants. I saw her demonstrate a motherly love to me. And what is the result? I have hastened back and I love my mother and whether she wants to or not she gets to wear me as an ornament (laughs) of that love and if you are here and are you are here and you are a mother and you have demonstrated that love maybe to a biological child or maybe to a child who has not yet reciprocated that love. My encouragement to you is just like God keeps loving those who have wandered away, you need to keep loving that child because someday the hope is, is that they will hasten back, that they will return. Don't stop demonstrating that motherly love. But this goes another step. It's not only kind of like an individual thing, it's a corporate thing as well. God demonstrates motherly love towards you, towards me, towards his children. We demonstrate motherly love towards others. Mothers demonstrate it for their child or for somebody that God has placed in their life to mother. But there's another step. We as the church should demonstrate a motherly love to those that we worship, that we are here with, but to those who are outside and who are coming in or could come in as well. Cyprian is an early church father and Cyprian says, he says, the church is our mother. And this is a truth. You see, when we as the church demonstrate compassion, demonstrate and provide comfort, offer care, when we invite people in to experience God's forgiveness, to experience life, what are we doing? We're expressing a motherly love to people who are in desperate need of a motherly love. And then what happens? What's the reward? The reward is that the people regather, they hasten to this place, and when they get there, they are an ornament to the testimony of the truth of God's motherly love. If this morning you feel like God has forsaken you, like he has forgotten you, It's not true. It is not true. God has chosen these very words to tell you that he loves you more than a mother could ever love a child. And you are graven on his hand. You are permanently and deeply cut into the most tender part of God's hand. Do you understand? He loves you. He's not ignoring you. 
He loves you. And he gives us the opportunity to demonstrate that love to each other. To show everyone in this place and the whole world out there that God loves like a mother. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.